You know, Scripture says, you know, you don't manifest the fruit because you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sin. We can forget if we don't keep our attention and our focus on who He is and what He's done for us. I've been hearing some wonderful testimonies. God just is moving so powerfully. The Lord has been doing amazing miracles. People are getting healed. Uh, it's, we are, we're having trouble keeping track of the miracles, actually, which is a wonderful problem to have. But we're getting better with it. it you can help us if you would document your miracle by just um, sending in an email to tell us what the Lord has done. Because as we like to keep these and, and we love to be able to testify about it. The word testimony in the testimony of Jesus being the spirit of prophecy from Revelation 19 uh, the word testimony there is to, means to do it again. And that when you release a testimony, we see people uh, grab a hold of it. Faith comes. Often I find when I share a testimony about someone getting healed, later in that night, I'll get a word of knowledge that someone else is being healed of that same issue because as they've heard the testimony, they've suddenly reached out in faith and the Lord lets me know that they're reaching out in faith and they receive the same miracle. And this actually happened for uh, our friend Isaac. He's come down from the Sunshine Coast. Who remembers hearing Isaac's testimony about being healed? Some of you wouldn't have heard that. Come on up, Isaac. We're just, I just want to give him the headlines because this is really cool. It's an ongoing story. You can do better than that. Come on, give him a big hand. <laughs> oh, hello, my friend. God bless you. We love you and your family. And to your mom and dad, wherever they are traveling around Australia, we love you too. Hallelujah. We miss you. Hallelujah. Hey, so just for the, those that haven't yet heard your testimony, you had like serious chronic fatigue. How long? I was about 16 years. It, it was, and it was, wasn't just a, a little bit tired. What, what was it like for you? Um, it was pretty crippling. Um, it, I kind of describe it as sort of trying to drag a mountain around with you. There's just never enough energy for anything and kind of try to rest as much as you can but then yeah got two kids and a farm and yeah, yeah. well and long story short um, came along to a miracle meeting and then came again on the Sunday which was wonderful I think Amelia probably and your mum and dad had told you to, to come down and you came in faith and, and what happened um, well I was prayed for by Greg um, who's now a good friend of mine is he over that way somewhere Hey, how you doing? Um, and yeah, and then it, it kind of happened over the next three days. He, uh, Greg, as I testified last time, said, don't wait for it, take it. And that really, I really took that to heart. And so I came back on Sunday ready. Um, and so I, when Catherine asked for us to stand for prayer, I... I um, oh. There you go, two microphones. Because uh, you're very tall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so when... Um, Praise the Lord. And then you were, you were doing things you couldn't do before. What sort of things were you doing? Yeah, like, next morning I did a few sprints up and down the yard just to sit down sure. Had you ever done that before? Not, oh, wow. 
Well, then this is your your brother-in-law was telling on you. He was telling me. Michael was telling me. Have you heard what's happened since with Isaac? Um, that you went back to your church up on the Sunshine Coast, up at Flame Tree, and they asked you to testify one morning. Well, they said, "Who anybody got a testimony of healing?" And you got up, shared your testimony. Tell us what happened. Um, <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> again. Sorry, you can have two. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I shared it, and I felt at the end to say that the testimony of Jesus is true. And she, what she also had MS and was, yeah, she, was in a wheelchair. she was in a wheelchair. So as he was testifying, she came up in the wheelchair. Oh, she. Oh, she so I should explain. She walked up. She comes to church in a wheelchair every week. She has MS, a number of other um, movement limitations, and chronic fatigue. So what happens for her at church is when the worship is on, she could walk. She comes up and dances on the stage, and then she goes back and sits down and goes back to her wheelchair. So she walked up. Yeah, and then, yeah, we, we prayed for her while she was... And so what, what's happened since? Yeah, so I was away for a couple of weeks. We came down here for a week. Um, and when I went, the first thing I saw as I walked in the door was her kind of striding away from me down the hallway. When I'd seen her walking, she sort of walked pretty gingerly, or sometimes it was, you know, obviously quite painful, but she was sort of... I, I, she was walking faster than I could walk. And so I dashed inside to have a look around for the wheelchair, and her wheelchair wasn't there... So I chatted to her briefly and she left her wheelchair at home. Yeah. Because, because, she was healed. She, because she was healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? See, this is the power of your testimony. Somebody else needs to hear your testimony. I just love the way you bring it with such humility and such authenticity. Just saying what happened then other people will get hope. And she was like, you pray for me. It wasn't even like an altar call for healing, from what I understand. She just came out spontaneously. You need to pray for me. And, uh, you know, so... <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Isaac. Give him a hand. Isn't that awesome? Um, we're going to read today from the book of Romans. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I love, who loves the book of Romans? It's a wonderful book. And um, as you go through the first half of Romans and you read right through from Romans 1 Roman, through to Romans 12, and it sets up and lays out so beautifully what it means to have received the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ 
what has happened. It spells out the gospel theologically, lays it out. This is what has happened. As Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and gave himself for all mankind, laid his life down and became for us the the propitiation of our sin. It's a big word that simply means he took on the sin of the whole world and paid for it all and rose again. And now anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Just like the thief that was on the cross, you know, two men were being crucified with Jesus. One was mocking him as he was dying. The other one said, hey, we deserve to be here, but he's done nothing. And he turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turned back to him and said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that encouraging? People ask me, what happens when you die? Like you said, like, is there a waiting time? Or Jesus said, this day. I, I like Tom's explanation. He said, well, you know, when you die, that there, you're, we no longer have a, we're no longer cons- constrained by time. So outside of time, so it's actually not even a question that, that makes relevant sense. But Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And all it took was for the thief to acknowledge, I need salvation. And you are the savior. I see this. And, and putting our faith in Jesus gives us eternal life. The Bible tells us that we become new creations in Christ. All things are passed away. Jesus, the Passover lamb, did more than the blood of bulls or goats or lambs like the sacrifices in the Old Testament, far above. He not only atoned for our sin, paid for our sin, he actually gave us power to become brand new, to cleanse our conscience, to take away our crookedness. Hallelujah. Everything about us that was crooked, everything about us that was um, not pure, not holy. He gives us a brand new heart. Hallelujah. This is the good news of the gospel. That as we simply believe in the Lord Jesus, by grace we are saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we don't have to earn salvation. We simply have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died and rose again. And I need your grace, Lord. I need your mercy. Have mercy on me. In doing that, you are acknowledging, I have sinned and I can't pay for that sin. Whether it's big or small, any sin separates us from God. But Jesus came to take our sins so that sin no longer separates us. We can bring him our lives and bring him our sin and receive in exchange the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. By faith, not by works. This is the good news of the gospel. Amen. And so having laid this out, if you want to know more about that, you can go and read Romans. Read, start at the beginning. He'll explain it beautifully, how the mercy of Jesus. Then we get to chapter 12, and, the, and chapter 12 really is the application 
because we've heard all this amazing good news of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we've understood, wow, Jesus Christ has come into our lives, made us new creations. We've been given new hearts. Hallelujah. We don't have to be ashamed. We're not guilty anymore because we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is anybody happy about this? You can go, at any point during this, hallelujah, because that's legitimate worship. So he picks it up and he then begins the application. The, Therefore, because of all this good news, this is what our response should be. This is the application. You know, it's one thing to know a lot about Scripture, but you know, some people know a lot about Scripture and they're just a bit arrogant and annoying. I, mean, I hope you haven't met anybody like that. But it's not about knowing about the scripture. It's actually about living it out, the application. We don't just be hearers of the word, but we want to be doers. Amen? Because it's in the doing that we get to enjoy the reality and the, the freedom, the abundant life that God's called us into. So this, Romans 12, tells us how. How do I practically step into this new life? You want to know about this? Yeah. It's good. It says, starts in verse 1. Beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's be to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourself to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. In other words, he's saying, beloved friends, what should our response to this amazing gospel be, to this good news of salvation? What should be our practical day-to-day -day response? Well, this is what you can do. He, he lays it out. Surrender yourself to God's marvelous mercies. Surrender yourself to be his sacred living sacrifices. You might say, well, I already did that when I got saved. Yes, praise the Lord. You know, Adam and Eve, when they were created, did they have sinful natures? No, no. God made them clean, holy, beautiful. Did they have the capacity to sin? Yes, because they had a free will, and sadly, they did. You know, when we get saved, we still have a free will. We still have a choice on how we live every day. And having been saved, now God wants us to recognize what following him and living with him looks like. Every day we have a responsibility to surrender ourselves afresh, to remember. I'm going to follow that example of Jesus who said, not my will but yours be done. To live a life that belongs to him. And so morning by morning, as I come before the Lord and I thank him, thank you, Lord, for this day. I love you. Lord, we worship you. I honor you. I picture an altar, just like Noah when he got out of the ark and offered a sacrifice on the altar. I, on the, in the morning when I get up, I, I imagine an altar and I put my life on that altar. I put all my prayers and requests on that altar. And I say, Lord, here it is. I offer my life afresh on the altar today. I say, have your way. I thank you that it belongs to you. In doing that, I am intentionally putting my faith in the fact that my life belongs to him. I'm reminding myself 
hey, I don't, my life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. Today, I don't walk alone and have God, you know, in the background there as an emergency. Today, my life is joined with him. And I remember, I, I set my mind to align my thinking with the truth of what's happened in my heart. Amen. Surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. Some people get upset with me. They say, oh, you're preaching works. It's just I'm actually literally reading scripture. It's, you know, when you get saved, you are made holy, clean, pure, righteous. Yes. Hooray. But you still have a choice on how you're going to behave. Just before I came here, I went and saw my baby grandson. He's so cute. My little grandson is five months old. He's rolling and he's giggling and he's grabbing for things. And you know what? When he was born, in fact, when he was first conceived, he was fully human. That little baby, he is fully human. He's a human. He's not going to become a human one day when he can walk and talk and run and do all the things. He's a human right now, fully human. But he's got to grow. He's got to learn how to talk and say, Momo. I'm a Momo, Tom's a papa. It's a Finnish grandma and granddad. He's got to learn how to put sentences together. He's got to learn how to run and to, you know, do all the things. Just and in the same way, we as believers, we are fully saved, fully righteous, fully holy, having received the mercy of Christ. Praise the Lord. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I'm not becoming saved. I am fully redeemed. I'm righteous. Everybody said, hooray. But I still need to learn how to grow and to walk in holiness. I need every day to have my mind transformed by the washing of his word. You see, if I don't give my attention to his word, it, you know, scripture says, you, know, you don't manifest the fruit because you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sin. We can forget if we don't keep our attention and our focus on who he is and what he's done for us. So we need to be reminding ourselves all the time of what the word of God says as we give our attention to him, as we read the word of God. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It shows us the way as we're intentional to follow him. He'll teach us his ways, show us his paths, guide us in the way everlasting. We have a conscience and the spirit of God on the inside of us will tell, tell you, that's yucky, don't watch that. And your conscience goes, oh, it's not good because the spirit of God in you is trying to help you walk in holiness. But you have a choice whether or not you go, yeah, no, I'm right. I'll be right. No worries. I can, you know. and, and you can compromise if you want to. But it's not going to be helpful for you and, and bring you into the place where you wake up in the morning thanking God, thank you, Lord, I'm free and, and, and not guilty because you're going to feel a bit guilty or a bit ashamed. You have been forgiven, but you weren't made to live in compromise. And, and so if you feel guilty because you're doing wrong stuff, stop doing wrong stuff. Very simple. Hallelujah. Don't, don't, Keep doing wrong stuff and say, it's all right because I'm holy. 
Romans talks about that earlier. It says should we just keep sinning because we've got this incredible gift? No, silly, no. Don't because you'll feel bad. And it's good that you feel bad because it shows that you know what's right and wrong. Do good and you'll be happy because you were created for good works in Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm just telling you as it is. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship, living before him as a living sacrifice, um, pursuing his ways. Isn't something we're trying to measure up to get his approval. It's simply our opportunity to jump into the life we've been born for. I've been born to live with him. And so I don't want to waste a moment compromising. I want to, I want to grab a hold of the grace that's been given to me today to live in the fullness of my new creation reality. Everybody said? Verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. I just loved it. I just I read it in the Passion just because I like that term, a beautiful life. What does a beautiful life look like? Have you ever heard someone talk about somebody, oh, they're just such a beautiful person? And they're not talking about physically, they're talking about something else. What are they talking about when they say, oh, they're just a beautiful human? Have you ever heard someone say that? It's because they are they're beautiful on the inside. They live a beautiful life, a life of kindness, a life of unselfishness, a life that's beautiful in every way. When they, when you, you, they're nice to be around because they're full of the love of Christ. I, I think a beautiful life exudes from one that makes it their goal. I want to be the most loving person in the room. You know, if you're, if you're known by your opinions and your crankiness and your... You know, people aren't probably going to say, it's such a beautiful human. They're probably going to go, oh, yeah. Do I avoid this topic, avoid that topic, because, wow, I'll go ahead over when you get them going on that. No, we should be known by our love, known by the Spirit of God living in us and um, have a total reformation of how we think and stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around us. You know, it is so easy to fall into the trap of being influenced by the culture around us. As I get the opportunity to travel different countries, to different countries, I recognize Australians have very different ideas than other people in other nations because we've heard very different narratives about global situations and so on. Frankly, it's true. Like, oh yeah, we think this because we've been told this by the media and the education system and all of this. And then, you know, so that's how we think about this situation. Or, you know, if we were to talk, say you had the opportunity, we had my mother-in-law's 80th birthday a surprise party yesterday. And um, praise the Lord, God from a godly heritage, but, you know, looking at and talking with some of the elderly Finns and, you know, their, I, their ideas and what they, what they understood culturally 
are quite different to what you see in the culture today. You know, some of the things that we see and, and recognize as normal in culture today were completely unacceptable back in their day. And a lot of it was to do with the fact that it was based on a biblical, biblical way of doing things. You know, I, I'm just saying it. But the truth is, we get a lot of things that get put on us in culture that are nothing to do with what the Word of God says. And the Bible tells us not to be conformed to the culture of the world, to the pattern of the world, but have our thinking renewed. Learn how to think about issues by reading what the Lord says. He is good. He is kind. He is full of love. Hallelujah. And He's the one who will teach us the way of life. He's the one that will show us what's right and what's wrong. You know, there is some things that are right and what, and some things that are wrong. It's not about legalism. It's about holiness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I got two or three people saying yes. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. He goes on, God has given me a grace to speak a warning about pride. And he, he goes on talking about self-promotion. And we've been talking for a little while about what it looks like to live a selfless life. To not live with an egocentric worldview, but actually to be living from a place of thinking about the needs of others, about looking what it looks like in, in situations, instead of responding out of you know, a self-centered perspective, uh, responding out of love, learning that it's, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it, Scripture says. Hallelujah. And what that looks like in a, a practical outworking, what it looks like to live unselfishly is freeing and beautiful. Because if you're trying to look after yourself and living selfishly, you're going to get stressed as you continually work on trying to, you know, look after yourself. I'm not saying, of course, that you don't take practical steps to you know, get enough sleep and do the things you need to do. But you know, there's a difference between that and being selfish. Some people, it's all about me all the time. And, and you can see it in their every conversation, in their every interaction. These things should not be among the body of Christ. We are being set free from me. Hooray. You can say that to yourself. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I don't have to be worried about this or worried about that. It's not for me to worry about these things because I have a Father who's taking care of me. Therefore, I have the privilege of shining the light of Christ, of being the love of God, of releasing the goodness, the kindness of God to everyone I see. Hallelujah. This is what getting free, living free from a self-centered mindset, this is a big part of the culture of the world. It's all about me. But God's saying, hey, I've taken care of you. I've got you now. Love me, love others. That's what it's about. Hallelujah. Sadly, I see some people who just live in a survival mentality. At the center of it is self-centeredness. And, is, and fear, self-preservation, it's a lack of faith in the one who promises to take care of you. I was conducting the choir when I heard the Lord say, why don't you kneel? Well, for me, I was like, God, I can't kneel. I'm conducting the choir in front of everybody. I've got a job to do. You know, when he says something, obedience always brings blessing. I knew this and... 
Oh, but the fear of man and feeling so uncomfortable. Oh, it was a wrestle in my heart, but I decided, okay, oh, as I'm conducting the choir, knelt down on the platform. And as soon as I did, I was ushered into the throne room of God. It was so glorious, but so overwhelming. I actually panicked and I pulled myself out of the encounter thinking I'm going to be jelly on the floor if I stay here. But you know what? God is so kind. He didn't say, well, she didn't appreciate that. So I'm not going to give her another encounter. I know he was just smiling, saying she's had a taste and she'll be back for more. I've since learned that if jelly on the floor is where God wants me, that's where I want to be. God's ways are higher than our ways and obedience always brings blessing. What's he saying to you today? You can find more about these adventures that God wants to have with you in my book, Supernatural Freedom. I pray it'll be a blessing to you.